Cari Saluti, I'm Laura Pucci-Valtorta. Welcome to episode 16 of my podcast, B is for Bisexual. I'm consolidating all my short stories into this one podcast. This story is called Wild Boar, and we're reading part one. It's an ode to the beaches in Italy and the exceptionally satisfying people watching there. It's almost better than the people watching in France, but not quite. We go to Liguria, Cavi di Lavagna, like my husband did when he was a child. Joining us in the reading are Marco, a computer scientist, and Dante, a musician. Don't forget to watch my films, including Bermuda, You Feel Me, and Disability, on channels such as Amazon Prime Video and Tubi, T-U-B-I. A shout out to listeners in Canada, Italy, South Carolina, Nebraska, Alabama, Mississippi, California, and Texas. Dear listener, we love you. And now, Wild Boar, Part 1. On the Italian Riviera, The mountains abutted the beach so closely that they almost seemed to push the beachgoers into the water. Step on the beach, gaze out at the Mediterranean, and the mountains loomed behind your back with their twisted ribbons of roads bending up into the sky. Despite their juxtaposition, the beach people stayed separate from the mountain people in food, appearance, and attitude whereas the beach Italians loudly greeted tourists from Milan, Genova, and all over the world with open arms, fish, grilling, music, and raucous nightlife, the mountain Italians were stout, silent hunters, nestled in their stone houses among the green trees, the narrow footpaths, the gardens, and the animal life. Beach people liked to party. Mountain people were born loners. Stefano Canelo, a young mountain boy, dreamed of making his living down below on the beach. His family, a mother, Elena, from right there in the mountains of Liguria, a father, Alberto, from Sicily, and two sisters, Chiara and Elena Jr., wanted to keep him at home enclosed in their own private enclave of trees. After his parents retired early from their day jobs, they opened a restaurant at home. Elena had been a bookkeeper for a jeweler in Chiavari, but she never wore necklaces or earrings. Alberto had worked as a carabiniere who despised arresting people. After 20 years of that, they said basta and decided to devote themselves to preparing rustic food serving people in an open tent structure outside their back shed, and enjoying their friends. The trees provided much shade. In the far distance, there was a beautiful glimpse of the sea. Elena cooked her specialties of tepid lemon vinegar calamari, garden green salads, risotto with peas, and pasta with wild boar sauce. Chiara and Elena Jr. served the tables. Alberto lured in customers from his Goomba association of friends at the local pubs and hunting lodges, 
The rest of the time, he sat outside shelling peas and chopping tomatoes from the garden where everything grew abundantly without too much hoeing or weeding. Stefano was tasked with killing the game and keeping the wood fire going. He was good at shooting the chingiali, wild boar, that roamed wild and free in the forest. But he was tired of killing animals. For Stefano, the mountain restaurant was all too rustic, with its red-faced, square-shouldered customers and women with wide peasant feet. He wanted to see slim, touristy women wearing delicate French sandals, not clogs, and men with bigger interests than finding the best hunting dog. At the age of 20, he decided to move down to the beach and find himself a restaurant job. His aim was to purchase, eventually, a beach concession right on the water with a fancy restaurant, umbrellas, and cabinas. But those concessions did not go on the market very often. His mother told him he was crazy. Your roots are in the mountains, figlio mio. We need you here. You go pazzo on the beach. Stefano ignored her and continued hoeing the peas. Those women on the beach are no good whores. Stefano's lips curved into a smile as he dreamed of putting his hands on the rear end of such a whore and ripping off her bikini. His father sneered at him. Only thieves run away. Thieves and babies. His sisters laughed. Ha! You'll be back home in a week, digging our potatoes and shelling our peas, said Elena Jr., who is thin, muscular, and six feet tall. I feel sorry for the beach trash, said Kiara, who is broad, square, and five feet ten inches tall. When Stefano was a baby, they had tossed him about. Now that he was six foot four, they attacked him with sarcasm. The girls stared at Stefano and whispered, planning charms and potions. A couple of fuck-you, tree-climbing, tomboy witches. They had both shaved their heads, except for a five-inch diameter section on top that sprouted long hair they kept oiled and braided. Kiara tossed her tresses into a long coil. Elena kept it secured in a bun on top, with a chopstick stuck through it. They wanted Stefano to do the same with his hair as a sign of Canelo solidarity, but he had simply shaved it all off. The parents hated the girls' hairstyles, but they stayed quiet in order to keep the girls at home. Canelo Ristorante was making a bunch of money, and the girls were free labor. So was Stefano, and he was the only one who could shoot the chingiali. On a hot day in July, Stefano packed a rucksack and took the bus down the mountain. He had no money for a car, and Chiara had stolen his moped. He won't last a week, the girls told him, jeering him off at the bus stop. Don't let those beach women see the hair on your back. Elena Jr. and Chiara stared at Stefano through the bus window, making the stabbing sign of the malocchio with their index and pinky fingers. The other riders, oblivious, continued reading and sleeping. Stefano rode the bus all the way down to Cavi di Lavagna, where he heard 
They had a beautiful restaurant at the Bani Aurelia. He knew he was a talented assistant cook. He secured a job right away from Tommaso, the Sicilian guy who ran the kitchen. Tommaso was one of Alberto's compadres. Bani Aurelia had a beautiful terrace with tables open to the sea where guests could eat lunch or dinner, paying a steep price for the view. There was a swimming pool for the little children and dozens of umbrellas and cabinas. It was a lovely place. Stefano took a moment to sit on the terrace and gaze out at the sea. Since it was Saturday, there were yachts in the distance and people jumping through the waves to swim in the sea. He thought he was in paradise. Perdona me. An older, an older woman with an accent tapped Stefano on the shoulder. She was small and bird-like with a cap of straight gray hair. I remember you from Canelo's restaurant up the mountain. Aren't you the son? Stefano smiled and stood up. He remembered an image of this woman seated at one of their tables with a roster of noisy grandchildren chowing down on pasta with wild boar sauce. Si, senor. Stefano explained that he was working at the beach now. He'd just gotten a job and he was wondering where to live. I have a small apartment to rent across the street. It's just a room, really, with a bath of its own. You could share my kitchen. Usually, I rent it out to a Norwegian couple, but they're not coming this year. Si, senora. I'd like to stay with you. Better see the place first. My name is Diana. They crossed the tunnel underneath the railroad and waited for the light to change. Across the street was a cafe and gelateria with an awning to sit outside. Stefano felt like he was on vacation. The position of Diana's apartment building required them to climb a couple blocks upward, the kind of walk that Stefano was used to. When they got to the front door of the apartment building, Diana was out of breath. You're barely breathing, she panted. I come from the mountains, said Stefano. The view from the apartment window made Stefano feel he was right on the water. The sun was dipping into the sea. Off to the right, he could see Portofino. You need to ask me how much is the rent, said Diana. Stefano would have felt stupid if he hadn't sensed immediately that Diana wouldn't take advantage of him. He could smell the honesty on her, like a lemon tree. Stefano set to work the next day at the bagni, cleaning the fish and chopping the vegetables. He wanted to show Tommaso how to make wild boar sauce. Tommaso added too much salt to everything and forgot the honey and lemon, but he held his tongue the first couple of weeks. It was the height of the season, but the restaurant was not making money. Stefano told Luca Signorelli, the owner. Tommaso did not like the intrusion. Go back to the mountains, he ordered Stefano with his Sicilian accent. And kill us some fresh wild boar. Stefano didn't want to go, but he spent the next week chatting up women during his after hours. The women at the beach ignored him. Every day after work at 7 p.m., Sweaty and red-faced from the kitchen, Stefano stripped off his shirt and jumped into the sea for a swim. 
The women lounging around under the umbrellas saw the hair on his back and gasped. He looked like a rock covered with seaweed. So he put on his clothes and went out. At the bar, things went better. He talked to a loquacious girl named Renata, who had long curly hair and a boyish body. I work at the bookstore during the summer, she told him. In the fall, I'll be going back to University of Milan. Stefano glared at her. The comment about university seemed to be a slap in in the face. He tipped back his beer. Then he raised his arms and casually stripped off his shirt. Renata wrinkled her nose at the hair on his back and the dark bush under each arm. Then she smiled. You can't scare me. She slid off the seat and went back to the table with her friends. Nothing good was happening at the restaurant. Tommaso stood in the way of any culinary creativity. The tourists were staying away from his cooking. Too much salt. Why not follow Tommaso's advice? Go back to the mountain and snag a boar for the boss. Luca was from Milan. He might be impressed. Stefano decided to go back home on a Sunday, his day off. He took the early morning bus without warning his parents that he was coming home. When he finally arrived, Canelo's Ristorante was rowdy with diners. Stefano slipped into the kitchen and heaped a plate with food without greeting his parents. Stefano's back, sang out Chiara. He's run away from the beach, said Elena Jr. Out on the porch, Stefano sat near Claudia, a mountain girl who delivered the mail. Claudia was pleasant enough, but she was stout and short like his mother. She had piggy blue eyes, and her blonde hair stood up in spikes on her head. Come stai, Claudia. For some reason, he wanted to be near her, because she was shoveling in risotto like his family, not picking at it like the delicate, mousy eaters at the beach. Sto bene, Stefano. She put a hand on his back. We miss you around here. Everybody's afraid of your sisters. Me too, he said. Stick around with me when you're finished eating. I'll show you the hunting lodge. This was all it took to entice Claudia. Stefano owned no such lodge, but there was a guest house back in the woods that he and his sisters used to escape their parents. The plan was to open a bed and breakfast eventually, but the restaurant was keeping everybody busy. After finishing the delicious food, they stood up. As soon as Chiara and Elena Jr. were back in the kitchen, Stefano grabbed Claudia's hand. They strolled down the pathway toward the guest house, trying to remain unobtrusive. At the door of the guest house, Stefano frowned when he saw that Chiara and Elena Jr. had hung witches' bells on the door. Inside were their rolls of sage that they lit and waved around for the incense effect. Smells good in here, said Claudia, pulling down her trousers. Stefano forgot about everything else for the next 15 minutes as he entered Claudia's large breasts, short legs, and all the areas in between. Her body felt like home. From the kitchen window, Chiara and Elena Jr. were watching as Stefano and Claudia came out of the guest house and adjusted the clothes. The sisters looked at each other. 
Then Stefano started up the path first. Claudia waited five beats and then followed. Back in the kitchen, Stefano grabbed the rifle. I'm going to kill me too, Cinghiali, he grunted. Nice to see you, son, said his mother. She stood up, arms akimbo, with her sarcastic face. I guess we're too low life now for conversation with you. Stefano ignored her. Out in the woods, he breathed in the mountain air. A couple of swallows flew by, mocking him because he made too much noise. He slowed his steps and crouched down by a large rock. It was next to a tree with plenty of pine nuts. After a few minutes, two wild boars approached, rooting in the ground for food. Their snouts snuffled along, grunting in appreciation when they discovered a tender root. The larger one was the size of Claudia. The smaller one noticed the pine nuts and made an excited noise. Stefano raised the rifle. Just before he shot, the larger Cinghiale looked at him with small, accusatory eyes as if she expected more from him than killing her and her offspring on a fine August day in the forest, near their home. Stefano pulled the trigger out of habit, but afterwards he felt sad. The smaller boar ran off, screaming. Stefano killed it, too. The dead animals stared at him. Carrying the two carcasses back, he passed directly by the restaurant tables so that the diner's could see clearly what he was carrying. A few people stared at him, but nobody gasped or acted surprised or gross out. Nice shot, Stefano, said one of Alberto's friends. You haven't lost your touch. Stefano ignored the old man. He felt ashamed of himself, as though he shouldn't be praised for killing a couple of animals. He brought the larger carcass to his mother. Uh, where should I put this? Elena Sr., who was elbow-deep in pasta dough, inclined her head toward the small shed next to the kitchen. Well, you'll skin it for me, si. said Stefano. He hung the carcasses onto a work table, or he slung them behind the house and slid off the skin. I am putting this small one in a bag and carrying it back to the beach, he told his family. That bag's going to smell and leak blood, said Elena Jr. They'll never let you on the bus. Give me my moped back, barked Stefano. He was tired of putting up with these witchy sisters. Just because they were older, they thought they commanded his life. Chiara raised her eyebrows to reply, but then sauntered out of the kitchen. Everybody knew the moped belonged to Stefano, and it had been a Christmas gift from their father, a sacred thing. Chiara propped the red moped under a tree in the parking area. Stefano put the small carcass into a burlap bag and that inside an old backpack before hoisting himself onto the moped. The drive back to Cavi di Lavagna was winding and hot. By the time he approached Diana's apartment, he was sweating and thirsty. He stopped and drank directly out of the backyard hose. Diana was lounging under a tree. Que puzza, she stated, holding her nose. What's in that bag? A wild boar I caught for the restaurant. Diana rolled her eyes. Leave that thing in the box in my garage and then get yourself a bath and a shower. You stink. Stefano didn't appreciate the personal comments. 
Diana was not his mother. He took a shower and then fell directly asleep on the lounge chair on his porch. That was part one, and we will read part two for you, dear reader, next week. I'm Laura Puccivaltorta. Until next time, ciao.